I have a flat forehead and a flat back of my head. I feel like we should shout out that baby that we saw at Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, old man baby, if you're listening, you're our favorite. (laughs) You're our favorite old man baby. Our favorite old man baby. We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. (laughs) It's mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Welcome to Freudian Sips. <laughs> that was a fail. That was neither of our hellos. Oh, we're keeping it though. That's who we're calling. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, hello. Hello. <laughs> and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. And apparently about improv now. <laughs> Mom just sprung that one on me. My name is Bonnie. My name is Anna. What are we doing? (laughs) This actually has nothing to do with being at all intoxicated, in case you're wondering. I don't know. I've had a glass of wine. I'm kind of feeling it. (laughs) This has to do with being off kilter. (laughs) We're trying to to get energy, and Mom's doing it in a weird way. I wasn't doing it on purpose. I just am not clicking. I'm going to edit it so it looks like you're clicking a lot. And then what you just said is not going to make sense. (laughs) (laughs) And that'll show you. That will get even with you for all my childhood problems. (laughs) Oh, Mom. We're on episode 30. That's why we're so tired. Is that why we've been doing this for 30 weeks? That's That's a a long long time. time. (gasps) We still got it, though. What can we talk about? What should we talk about? I've got I've got some stuff. I've got some stuff. Oh, good, because I got no stuff. <laughs> the first thing is that some people have ordered merch, and that's kind of fun. Yay. Although, in fairness, I think half the people were you. Shh. But I, I do, th- I do it's think... It's kind of like when you're in grade school and you have to sell things for a fundraiser. And you always bought all my fundraiser <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And you would go to like two doors, and I would say, it's okay. Okay. Here. I got it. It's fine. Here, I'll, I'll just, just buy write the a rest check. of the magazines. I'll write a check. <laughs> yeah, that's what good mommies do, right? Yeah. I all, I mean, you're also on this podcast. It's your merch, too. That's it, right. It's not just like you're buying my merch. I really wanted, I wanted a yeah. t-shirt, man. Yeah. yeah. I did. You did, and you bought it. I but did. other people, and if you are hearing about this now and you didn't know we have merch, we totally have merch. If you mm-hmm. go to teespring.com slash stores slash Freudian Sip Pod, you can get our merch, and it's very good. And if you do that, tag a picture of yourself on Instagram or Twitter and tag us. We're Freudian Sips Pod on all social media. We want to see you with your cool merch that has our logo on it because we're a little bit vain. <laughs> what happens when that happens? Does anything special happen when you 
When what happens? When does we get some, tagged? Does some magic happen we, when we get tagged? I get a little notification on my phone because I I handle all the social media. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't know unless you and tell then, me. So And then I'll tell you later the next oh. time I see you. Okay. And okay. you'll be like, oh, that's sweet. I will. <laughs> I'll say, aw. Because that's what I say sometimes. That is true. But we really do. We would be so excited if you wanted to wear a t-shirt or carry a tote bag oh, yes. that says Freudian Sips. And it's Anna's really cool artwork oh, on our true. Logo. The, the logo so you can see how my artsy fartsy daughter creates things the uh the logo is a print uh, a woodblock print that i made that i modified a little bit because he used to be holding a banana and now he's holding a bottle of wine i needed to make him a little more thematic yes but it's cool thanks mom our boy freud our boy freud he's yes. pretty cool he is cool we also got a little shout out on Twitter from Fate of Ison on Twitter. They are a D&D actual play podcast, which is oh, I'm, cool. immedi- I'm immediately going to listen. But also they're from Australia. So they're, I know, their accents are very cool. They call, oh, I wish we could hear them talk. And we bonded a little bit because I am a D&D as well. And so we were, we had a little moment on Twitter. They, they, they discovered us and then I discovered them and it was a great moment and <laughs> Go listen to them if you like D&D actual play. Okay. Okay. Should we bribe them now? I know we planned on bribing them. I would like to bribe them now, okay. yes. I think, you know, put the bribes right up front. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're <laughs> not going to cover it. We're just going to lay it all on the table. <laughs> Let's be authentic about our bribes. Now, I will I will also be authentic that we are totally stealing this idea from uh, Sip Survive Repeat. They have a giveaway where if you review the podcast and then send them an email with a picture, then you will get a sticker. We're doing that. We're just wholesale stealing that idea. So if you're listening, girls, sorry and thanks for giving we us We look that up idea. to you, girls. We, we want to be just we like really you do. when we grow up. We want to do everything you're doing. <laughs> so if you are listening to this, to Freudian Sips, and you would like a free sticker, a free die cut sticker that has our Freudian Sips logo and it says Freudian Sips on it, if you leave us a review on iTunes or I guess wherever you can leave reviews, mm-hmm. um, and then you send us a screenshot on our email, FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com, and give us your mailing address, we will mail you a sticker for free. It would be totally cool to have one of those stickers, though. They are pretty cool stickers. I know. You could put it pretty on your car excited. or your laptop or your laptop or your face. <laughs> if you want to stick it right on your forehead. <laughs> And do some really good advertising for us. We would appreciate that. <laughs> merch, merch, merch. Merch, merch, merch. Reviews, reviews, reviews. Social media. That's our pre-roll today. The, the Google thing is really important, isn't it? The Explain. Go- I don't know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> the Google because thing. Because you, you seem to imply, and you know me and my ignorance of technology, that getting a review uh, on iTunes. Google... Oh, iTunes is yes. the really important thing. Where did Google come from? I don't know. I'm I mean, looking at my that's computer <laughs> screen. It says Google. And I Google. was like, okay, that's a good place to do You know, Google. It. The internet. <laughs> you know, the, the internet stuff that Google. happens when you turn on it, your computer. <laughs> the magic of the internet. No, Most. when you get review, the more iTunes, reviews yeah. you get on iTunes, the more you bump up like the up and coming ratings or mm. the, and the charts and stuff. So mm-hmm. more people discover you, the more reviews you get, which is kind of counterintuitive. It's like going into a job. And being like, we'd like someone just out of, out of college with five years experience. Mm. It's kind of like that. but That's a good metaphor. Thanks. Is that a metaphor? I'm not sure. <laughs> it's close enough, though, right? I think right? it's a simile because I said like. Oh. 
And so yeah, do that thing. Okay, do that do thing. Do that thing with the iTunes Do thing. that thing. Email us the thing. We'll send you a thing. Uh-huh. Okay. And it will be a good thing. It'll be a good thing. You want to get a thing in the mail? You get a thing in the mail. It's fun still in these days to get snail mail that's oh, yeah. not a like a bill or... Because you get to open it. It's a present. Yeah. That's fun. We also have a themed drink. We just got all and the cool stuff really, this And it is really, really yummy. It is very good. I'm just pretty busy drinking it, actually. It is. And once I say it, you all probably know what we're talking about today. <sighs> I'm calling this drink a drink of my own creation, I will say. It's called Drinking the Kool-Aid. Wah-wah. It is strawberry Kool-Aid mixed with whipped cream vodka. And it's delicious. It tastes like that strawberry fluff dessert you can buy. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. It's very good. If that's not enough of a hint... Mom, what are we talking about today? We are talking about, I'm trying to think of a, a more classy way to say it, but we're basically talking about cults. Yeah, that's what we're talking the about. The psychology of cults. Yeah. Should I say it that way? I Yeah, I like that. Psychology of cults. And this episode is- Episode 30. Episode 30 and 31. This is a surprise two-parter, because as we were talking about this, we realized that we have enough to, to make a second part. So this is going to be this week and next week. We're going to split it up. And quite frankly, we could probably do three or four. Possibly. But we kind of learned from experience to not do more than Don't. two. <laughs> Two's our limit. Two is it. Don't do a 14-part. Oh, my God. That was Erickson, exhausting. we love you, but why did we ever do that? <laughs> oh, man. If you stuck with us through that, if you started listening at the uh, beginning and listened to all of those, you are a good You sipster. deserve it. Like, you're a gold sipster. That's <laughs> You are in the golden You're sipster like a club. golden chalice of sipsters. <laughs> yes. Oh, and if you skip some of them, we understand. <laughs> we get it. We checked out too. <laughs> so, you know, we skipped a little bit probably also. So cults can kind of be a dark topic. A little dark. Yeah, this is, this might be, be a little rough. Uh, we're still going to laugh. So we might sound a bit insensitive at, at some parts of this. Uh, sorry. Because we, we're even laughing a little bit about we, the Kool-Aid. We don't mean which that. Which is delicious. Yeah. This is delicious Kool-Aid. When I, when I pitched the drinking the Kool-Aid drink to my husband, he was like, too soon. Mm. And I was like, it was 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you talking about? If you don't know what drinking the Kool-Aid is from, it's a term that was ad- adopted from the, the Jonestown mass suicide, which we will be talking about in our next episode. That was that was where they drank Kool-Aid laced with uh, cyanide to kill themselves. So that is where the drinking the Kool-Aid term came from. And now it's just kind of generally used as a buying into something right. kind of phrase. Like, oh, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. That means you're you're buying into something. You're, you're following along blindly. Yeah, and, exactly. You're mm-hmm. you're believing this thing that they're selling you. Yeah, it has become a cultural. Yeah, it's most, a slang term now. Yeah, yeah. I would like you, even though we're not going to talk about that cult specifically to, on today's episode, mm-hmm. I'd like to drop that little bomb about the Kool-Aid. Can we do that now? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, so during the Jonestown mass suicide, they did not drink Kool-Aid. Dun-dun-dun. dun dun This is the uh, the Bell debacle. This is Bellgate from <laughs> from the Ding Dong Saliva Hour all over mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what I'm talking about. Listen to episode, do you know what episode Nine? number was? I think it was nine, mm. but it was about Ivan Pavlov. He never mm-hmm. used a bell. He never used a bell. And we, used in a that buzzer. episode, we talked and talked Mom about. I on freaked a out. Mom doesn't like it. She <laughs> thinks everyone's lying to her. Well, because when we were kids, that's what we taught. And literally, I remember being a teacher and reading from a textbook mm-hmm. about the bell. 
Yeah, and Mom. he didn't actually have a bell. So you can everything never written really... in textbooks is totally <sighs> true. Just like everything on the internet's <laughs> true. true. Yeah, History's so you written can't by the victims. believe everything you read or it's... hear or learn in school or see on the internet. You basically can't believe much you of anything. You can't believe anything. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's our show. I'm and Anna. This is Bonnie. <laughs> Talk but about triggers for no, anyone with paranoia. Jonestown, the people at Jonestown used a grape-flavored Flavor-Aid. They did not use Kool-Aid. They used Flavor-Aid. So Flavor-Aid. we're using Kool-Aid. So it's not super insensitive. We're using right. name brand stuff. You kind of wonder if Kool-Aid got a kick from that, like a positive kick from that advertisement, or was that kind of a negative? You think their sales went up or their sales went down? The Kool-Aid man burst through a wall and was like, join my cult! (laughs) You're not really drinking (laughs) Kool-Aid. Don't believe the hype! I don't know how. Oh, yeah! (laughs) Kool-Aid is only used for good. That's the cookie monster. Same thing going they're kind of, they're cousins. They kind of grab them. The cookie. You have Kool Aid and cookies together. That's like the ultimate. <laughs> it's kind of the yeah. That's kind of the kid. ultimate sugar rush. Ultimate. Oh man, <laughs> this Kool Aid is delicious though. Thank you for the drink, Anna. You're welcome. You're welcome. It is very good. That whipped cream it, vodka could be dangerous. Very dangerous. Kool Aid will stain. If you're the per, I don't know if we have anyone who actually like when we say, "Hey, we have a themed drink and this is what it is." You I don't know try if it. anyone listens and is like, "I'm gonna actually make it and drink it with them." If you're that person, you're also a golden chalice member of the Sipsters. Absolutely, you are top tier Sipster. Join our cult. <laughs> <laughs> you're the top tier automatically, <laughs> but. If you if you make this with actual Kool Aid, it's gonna stain. So be careful. Mm-hmm. I just stained my counter downstairs. We have it sitting on a paper towel now because it's a traitor. It's kind of dangerous. Yeah, it's very dangerous stuff. All right, we've been talking about Kool Aid for a long time. Let's talk about cults. <laughs> okay, okay. So start with some basic info. Mm-hmm. What is a cult? I think is the main question we have to start with. And unsurprisingly, just like almost everything else we ask on this podcast, it doesn't really have a clear answer. Mm-hmm. Almost almost everything we ever talk about, we're like, eh, different sources say different things. So basically, you can't believe anything you hear. Can't believe anything. And no sources are exact. <laughs> and and life is meaningless. And no existence <laughs> is fruitless. And uh, no, join it- our cult. <laughs> <laughs> It's not that it's fruitless. It's just that it's it's challenging to decide what it, it is you're some going to believe. Critical thinking to know yes. what you're actually going to believe. So, generally speaking, what is a cult? Well, according to the International Cultic Studies Association, mm, sounds like they should know. I right. If anyone mm-hmm. knows, Cultic they're going to know. Yes. The ICSA. A cult is an ideological organization held together by charismatic relationships and demanding high levels of commitment. Which I actually like changed the definition in my notes a few times, but I think that's the one that encompasses everything that's important about a cult because the organization of it is around an ideal, mm-hmm. but it is held together by a single leader who is very charismatic and they do demand more of their members than other like churches and stuff like like established religions usually do. Right. Uh, they're generally considered to have like socially deviant or different beliefs but that's kind of externally because internally people join cults because the beliefs are comforting right they join it because the things that they're being sold make sense to them and really sound good so it's not like a cult leader is going to come at you with 
hey, I think we're all gonna, I'm gonna use a, an example that we're gonna talk about next episode too. I think there's a spaceship following Haley Bop Comet and I want to kill everyone to mm-hmm. go with on the spaceship. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, no, thank you. Please leave my front lawn. <laughs> like, it, they don't do that. They just sort right. of, they slide in under the radar with things that make more sense to us. It's after the brainwashing kicks in that the more kind of deviant beliefs seem not so bad and seem to fall in line with what you're already believing. It's a strange thing that the word comfort stands out to me because mm-hmm. as you read about it, yeah. as you read about cults, that that word keeps coming up. And you kind of think from the outside, being critical about cults, you yeah. think, well, there's nothing comforting about Which a cult. Be. But <laughs> yes. Be. Hey, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a strong stance on this. Be critical about cults. <laughs> but in a moment, when we talk about the people who are most vulnerable or susceptible to being in a cult. That search for comfort is like yeah. number one. Yeah. So yeah, that's a huge thing. Okay. And usually who is offering that sense of comfort is a single authority figure. Mm-hmm. Cults usually form around a single person and it's going to be a strong authority figure. Um, they're going to arrange their hierarchy around this person. They're usually extremely charismatic, usually narcissistic if we're talking in psychology terms. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that later. But cults do try to expand their influence for for power or for money. Uh, they generally have a high degree of control over their members, and they work to replace the old identity of their members with a new identity that they create that is loyal to them. So it's it's very it's very controlling. It's very we are going to replace you with a person who is solely a member of this cult. Mm-hmm. Like that is their whole goal. But, like I said, cult is a very ambiguous term. I mean, there's a lot of things that a cult can be. There's a lot of things that a cult may be in certain situations, but not others. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's very ambiguous. And because of that, it's actually really hard to find statistics. Like, I worked really hard to find statistics of different cults. And I'll, I'll touch on some of the ones that I found. But really, I couldn't find much. Because, and even some of the sources I saw went into, like, we're not gonna list all the cults because the definition of cult is so broad and so vague. So the sources that talk about cults even say that. So I do want to touch on the difference between like cults and other organizations. Because I know that some people who aren't like in organized religions can sometimes say like any organized religion is a cult. Mm -hmm. Any, I think when we were talking about it, you were like, the Girl Scouts? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) So there are some differences between cults and just generally, just organizations in general. It's not like if you're involved in organization, it's a cult. I don't want to put that message out there. The basic difference between cults and organizations is that organizations don't use the same methods of mind control and psychological manipulation that cults use to to gain and keep their membership. The ICSA even says, we don't have a list of cults because of the ambiguity of it. Mm-hmm. And instead they say, listen, we're going to give you the definition of, of kind of what cults use and, and how they keep their members. Take that, apply it to the group that you're worried about, and see if it matches. Mm-hmm. It's kind of easier to define what's not a cult, basically, right. Right. if they don't use these things that we're going to talk about. And quite frankly, I think once a person is involved in a cult, they can no longer 
They don't know. They don't want to ask those questions. They either don't want to know them or they honestly cannot see them. It makes me think about those times that we've talked about how um, one of my favorite definitions, or I don't know if that's the right term, when you go to a counselor and you gave me this particular definition from someone else that we are a uh, common sense filter. Oh, yeah. I, I got that, that from my friend Kim. Yeah, and I, she said she got it from someone else. So it, it's like whoever started it. I love <laughs> it because I still I use it all the time with yeah. my clients. But in that way, if a person is is involved in that, they need someone yeah. from the outside to be their common sense filter to say, uh, this is not healthy what's and, happening to and you. cult leaders know that right and, and so, so they try to isolate their and members. they isolate them that's so, right okay we're gonna head we it's will talk about the, so. the isolation is so it's one of the biggest things that cults use right. so we're gonna talk for a whole thing about that um, another difference between cults and other organizations is basically an outward focus versus an inward focus. So things like established religions and other bigger movements have an outward focus in that they make altruistic contributions to the world around them. So, you know, you're in a church and maybe you're tithing, like a lot of churches say you should tithe, mm-hmm. but usually those tithes go to charities and and they go to paying their members. I mean, there's not usually like the kind of hierarchy that you see in a cult. I mean, it, it is much more spread out and the money is hopefully, unless it's like a mega church or something, mm-hmm. used for better purposes. I mean, it's just more altruistic. I would say the Girl Scouts are more altruistic as well. <laughs> but cults serve their own purposes. So they're trying to get, like I said, that power or that money, and that's to go to the leader. It's to filter toward mm-hmm. the leader. It's not, we want to get money and we want to make the world a better place with the money. It's, we want to get money and we want to give it to our leader who we all love so much, and he is just going to do so many great things for the world, and we just trust him so much. Mm-hmm. And so that is that is also another thing, is how they expand their influence is different, in that they use those influence tricks and deception to gain psychological control over their members, and generally other organizations will not do that. So those are some of the ways you can kind of tell if you're like, oh, that's a cult. Like, if you're looking at it and it's, they're not usually using psychological tricks or anything like that. Like, maybe you're just using the word wrong. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. Should I? mm, Oh, that was my sound. Mm. Mm. (laughs) I've been hanging out with you too much. Should I go into some famous cults or should we, like, should I just list them? Yeah, just list Give them. Give a little teaser. And then the next time, yeah, the next time we'll actually talk about some of them. Okay, so this is a little teaser. So some of the famous cults that you may have heard of, the People's Temple, and I actually did not know that's what it was called. I have always heard it called Jonestown. So Jim Jones and Jonestown and that, uh, there was a mass suicide that happened that's where we get the drinking the Kool-Aid from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the Manson family was a cult that almost everyone's aware of. The Heaven's Gate cult, that was another instance where mass suicide was involved. The Branch Davidians, you've probably heard of Waco, Waco, Texas mm-hmm. in, uh, in 1993. <laughs> another one I will mention that a uh, friend of the show, Michelle, told me not to talk about because <laughs> she doesn't want me to get sued is uh, the Church of Scientology. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, we're going to go there. Please don't sue us, L. Ron Hubbard. In heaven, in Scientology heaven. (laughs) Scientology, if you're not aware of it, 
is uh, part religion, part self-improvement. Uh, it was founded by L. Ron Hubbard in the 1950s. It charges members uh, absurd recruitment fees and uh, fees to get into higher levels. And you have to give a lot of your income, if you have income, to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they charge these fees for, for counseling, basically, that they call auditing. So you can embrace a higher consciousness. So it's it, it involves a lot of that, like taking a lot of resources from their members and funneling it up to the leadership. Right. So that is, um, and the the tactics they use, I might talk about them a little bit in our next episode. I wanna, I wanna, I'm still trying to decide how far I want to go with that. But pull back, pull back. <laughs> I just don't, <laughs> don't want to get sued, guys. I so don't want to get sued. Can I tell you about some types of cults? Okay. Because, again, this is a thing where every source I saw had a different list of types of cults so i'm kind of trying to distill them into mm-hmm. some of the main ones because we we first first and foremost we always think religion we think oh it's it's about religion but there are lots of different and that's the one ideas. we hear most often mm-hmm. i think is religious cults and as i go through this list you will notice that a lot of these kind of overlap with other ones because uh, the first one on my list is called destructive cults and these are cults that are manipulative groups and they exploit sometimes, usually, I would say, harm their members, either physically or psychologically. Uh, I would say the cults that we end up hearing about are that. Right. Because that's why we hear about them. Exactly. But there are also doomsday cults. So they believe the end of the world is upon us. So, like, that's the Heaven's Gate cult. Right. Uh, there's religious cults. And that is, like you said, the type we hear about most frequently. I'm also going to subcategorize here uh, occult and black magic cults because mm-hmm. I would I would say that is a religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's psychological or enlightenment cults that are offering expensive like enlightenment workshops. These types can include psychology or new age cults like you know meditation and all that stuff. But it mm-hmm. it involves enlightenment. In the, I I put this in in the psychological or enlightenment section, but it's kind of in all of the sections, that the leader presents themselves as mystical or all-knowing or the only one who has the information to get you to this enlightened place. Right. And that is kind of a common thread in all these cults. There's commercial cults. I thought this was interesting because this includes pyramid and multi-level marketing organizations. Maybe not all of them, but I would say probably most of them. They want members to sell their quote-unquote product to people. I think this is where people get really defensive. I... I would agree. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're like, uh, no, actually, right. LuLaRoe is not a cult. <laughs> and you're we're a not LuLaRoe. Call- we are not calling out LuLaRoe. No, we're not. That was <laughs> the one that came to my mind first. I was going, I kind of like LuLaRoe. No. Okay. But, Don't call them out. But I would, if you, okay, listen, if you get defensive, you might be in a multi-level marketing <laughs> scheme. So maybe just look at how the wealth, if they're requiring, like I said, if they require you to like buy into things and pay them money to do a service for them, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. That that could be a cult-ish situation. But usually it does center around promises of being very rich and being very successful. And the promises are so good that people will work for free or even pay for the products that they're selling or pay to do the service that they're going to do. So that is how it works. You, you buy into the ideology so much that you're willing to do that financial kind of sink. Mm-hmm. There's political cults, which are organized, obviously, around a political dogma. 
Nazism was originally a cult, uh, and cults can still be found kind of in both sections of politics, left and right wing. Mm-hmm. I will call out the alt-right here because there are Nazis there. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. where Nazis live now. So that is, I mean, that's how, I think it's sad. I mean, I think it's dangerous and horrifying, but I think it's sad too, because, and we'll talk about this later, that the reason we get into cults is because we want that acceptance and we want that strong ideology. Mm-hmm. And so it's sad that people can get sucked into that. There's usually common threads in all of these. So racism is common. Uh, terrorism is common. Um, polygamy is common. Not mm-hmm. quite as common, I think, as people would think. Although it said there are an estimated 50,000 people in North America that are in polygamist cults or in polygamist, like, hmm. cultist relationships. Really? Sort of. hmm. Yeah. And so with that, I do want to go into some statistics. The ones that I could find, like I said, there are a lot of sources that said, we're not going to do that because it's so broad. Right. It's so vague. And I don't know how they're qualifying these statistics that they're giving. But one site said that there are 3,000 destructive cults in America with around 4 million members. But this wow. site is from 1997. Oh. So well. I'm not super sure. And like I said, it's really hard to find statistics of this. Uh, Like Scientology alone has 8 million members. So if I'm counting that as a cult, what does that do to the numbers? So I don't know. But mom. Anna. Mom. Anna. (laughs) Tell us about some people that maybe could be more likely victims of cults. Hmm. What are some of the warning signs of people that may think this is a very comforting thing This is the way to to go, huh? Well, I found it interesting as I was doing my research that basically speaking, the majority of cult members before they become cult members are what we would call typically psychologically healthy, believe it or not. Yep. And they're often idealistic. So you might even look at them at like, you know, the people that are kind of the go-getter, want, they want a better society. They want the world to be better. However, they might, they probably are going through something in life, uh, a blip, so to speak, in their normal life, like maybe a serious breakup in a relationship or some kind of other, maybe a death of a loved one or some kind of upheaval transition that brings them to a point where they kind of have that existential question like what's the point why am I here all that good stuff that makes us question those important things the people are often idealists though they think that they can make a difference to all of humanity I think that's important though because I mean the cults that we know about externally what they were selling was very positive stuff right exactly they were selling idealist right ideology yes <laughs> Is that a yes, thing? That's yes, that's right. Yes, words. Uh-huh. <laughs> Obviously, in most of these cults, the individuals who are recruited are young, are yeah. very young. Um, often minors, unfortunately, get called into these mm. areas where they're they're drawn into a cult. Or and as, as families we, that have minors. Right. And as we talked about earlier, one of the biggest pulls is that idea of comfort, is that these people are looking for a way to be comforted. Even the idealists are looking for comfort because they're looking for like-minded people who agree with them on their idealism and that gives them comfort to know they're not alone in all this. To the other extreme are the people who are very needy people perhaps and have gone through a breakup or have gone through a death of a loved one and they need comfort um, and they find that in a group. So there are kind of some warning flags, uh, personalities that are more susceptible. The first one is pretty obvious. Those who want to feel validated, which if you could stretch that, couldn't you, and say that's all of us? 
I mean, we all want to be well, validated, yeah, right? That's a very human <laughs> need. I would say that's one of the deepest human needs. Uh, yeah, exactly. Is acceptance from others because be we've, t- we've talked about how we are social creatures and mm-hmm. stuff. So. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that even though I've already said these people are often healthy people, there's also a real vulnerability in people who just are longing to fit in. They're longing to be validated. Uh, very close beside that is the idea of people who are seeking an identity. Yeah. They just don't really know who they are and they want to know, they want somebody to tell them, who, mm-hmm. who am I? What do I stand for? And this goes back to the youth again, that young people are looking to find out who they are. I'm going to point again at the alt-right movement. Because a large portion of the alt-right movement has happened with younger younger people, um, mm-hmm. I would say teens, maybe, that it would just, it started from almost meme culture, and, mm. and so they found these people who were like-minded, and that like-mindedness became an echo chamber, and they latched onto this hatred, and so they, they found that identity that... that of course, teenagers are searching for, like all of us when we're teenagers. Exactly. And they in, unfortunately found it in, in a hatred community. Right, exactly. Um, a lot of the people who are vulnerable to joining a cult are would be classified as a follower and not a leader. So those people who are more willing to let somebody else take charge, sure. obviously they're looking for that leader. That's and why I would never be in a cult. I was going to say, because would- I am a controlling bitch. <laughs> He would never make it a day. Be like, hey, who died and put this dude in charge? Why are we following this old white guy around? Hey, hey. Okay, so so up to this point, these things kind of could fit for most of us, you know, like that we want to be validated, that we're looking, or at least most of us at youth. Okay, valid. Sure. We want to be validated. We want to find our identity. We are seeking meaning is another one of the things. We're all kind of doing that, aren't we? Yeah. This one's a little bit different. This point says that many people who get involved in cults have schizotypical thinking, uh, which means skip it, schizotypical skip thinkers, say that six times, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, they walk kind of an edge beside schizophrenia. Mm. They're not... Um, they don't have delusions or like disconnection like a schizophrenic does. I'm that is a weakness I have. I have a very hard time differentiating They're, between. Mm, there's a very close. fine line. They yeah. have the paranoia though, right? The, and odd beliefs and odd behaviors and paranoia would be in there, and yeah. and kind of that supernatural, like they oh, kind of sure. buy into anything that's yeah, kind of <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> you make that noise so well. Thank you. I Thank love you it. very much. Uh, yeah. So they are apt to kind of be drawn to anything that's woo and they go yes. with it. So Keep that's, making, okay, that's I want a clean audio cut so I can make a text tone of that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want, whenever you text me, I want my phone to go woo <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> You're so funny. Okay. Obviously, um, if we would look at these people specifically, we would find a high percentage of them are, quote, highly suggestible. You remember when we talked about hypnosis? Oh, sure. Well, on one of our episodes, yeah. we talked about hypnosis and how some of us are just more open to being hypnotized because that's the way our brain works. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of along the same line, you know, of being Why? suggestible. That's kind of along that same, the way our brains work. A couple other points that I thought were interesting. One is that many cult members are people who tend to kind of blame other people. Like they don't want to take responsibility. They want to be able to say, everything I do is because that person told me to do it. It's not really my idea. It's not really my... So in their, quote, 
ordinary life before they were in a cult, they would be the people who would be kind of like, it's not my fault. I was Does that just have doing- to do with being followers? It fits together, doesn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. if they're saying, I'm not in charge, I didn't do it. Right. I was following them and they did it. Right. Exactly. So here's kind of the other end of it. People who have anger issues tend to join cults, but that might be a different, you know, it would be depend on the kind of cult. Like when you were talking about the different kinds, they would be more apt to join a cult who was all about aggression or you know, rebellion or terrorism or whatever. Right, exactly. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just punched your mic. The hate and aggression The hate came out out of me. Mom is so full of hate and aggression. (laughs) The rage. The rage. Oh, the rage (laughs) that I wrestle with daily. (laughs) (laughs) That's like Eeyore saying, oh, the rage. Oh, the rage. (laughs) Thanks for noticing my rage. And the last thing on my little list is very obvious. People who have low self-worth, low self-esteem. And that goes back to the validation thing again. But to the point where, and what we kind of talked about for a moment before was that isolation that happens. Yeah. And that is part of the magic, so to speak, that works in getting people to be so bought in and sold out for this cult that many of them come in with kind of a low self-worth to start with and then they get isolated from anyone in their life who does love them or who does validate them for who they truly are and they just become the shell of a person, you know. So now the only worth they get at all, the only self-worth they have is, is in serving that higher person that goes to identity i mean since we are so social as human beings Mm -hmm. a lot of our identity comes from our loved ones and who we associate with and if the cult is working so hard to keep us from those people that we have chosen to associate with and only making us associate with i'm saying us i'm not in a cult (laughs) i am leading a cult join my cult join the freudian sips cult Mom's probably the leader, actually. <laughs> she thinks she's the leader, but... <laughs> Mom's like ha, sipping, ha, ha. sipping her drink like, uh-huh, yeah, do my recruitment for me. This is an MLM. She's Pull my upline. She's my cult upline. <laughs> but it cuts us off from that where we have found our identity before, and that goes with replacing our identity with the cult identity exactly because it cuts us off from those people that that we love and that might be able to say like hey you're in a cult right i mean that's i I know that sounds silly but there there are cases of people who the stories about people who have tried to pull their children out of cults it's horrifying it's It's so so sad what a terrible thing to go through oh my goodness here's a little tiny statistic for you anna Around 70% or more of all cult members are women. I saw because that, that women, women are more. Yeah. yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. I would say that women are more socially bent and more idealistic. Mm-hmm. So that goes with what you were saying. So I'm going to kind of twist for a minute. Watch. Do the twist. <laughs> I'm watching. Because something that really struck me as I was doing this research and thinking about all this Thinking about how the leaders of cults are often um, narcissistic and sometimes antisocial, but I think more often narcissistic. And they they do that gaslighting thing that is so terrible and evil and amazing. Yeah. It it brought me to this point that, yeah, not, not a lot of us join a cult at any point in our life, but a lot of us get into a relationship with someone who has those 
same kind of personality traits that take us away from our own identity. Yeah. And even though we're not in a cult, we kind of surrender our own identity to our relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. And they, it's like a mini cult, you and this other person in yeah. this relationship. I, I think that it's so hard trying to define what a cult is because... I mean, like, when I was a teenager, even without, like, romantic relationships, I was in, like, fandoms. Like, mm-hmm. like I would, I would, you watch a show and then you get online and go on to the, the rest of the people that like that show. Mm-hmm. And it kind of becomes a mini cult, too. Because mm-hmm. you're all, you know, you're driven by this, this ideology, basically. I mean, if you want to go weird with it, if you want to go definition with it. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're, you're linked with this common thing. And and you kind of you you insulate yourself into it, and then you just like block yourself off from the rest of the world, mm-hmm. and you kind of lose yourself a little bit. Right. I mean, like any anyone who's experienced losing their self in something, and then later being like, "How did that happen?" Mm-hmm. Exactly, That's what a cult is just times a hundred. Exactly, and and the experts would tell you that if you would go into a cult and ask the cult members, are you in a cult? They would look at you like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, they don't and think they, they really, are. It's a, kind of the same, unfortunately, in unhealthy relationships when you would ask a woman or are a man. Are you in an abusive relationship? Yeah, are you in an abusive And they would look at you like, of course I'm not. No, he just no. hits me every once in yeah. a while. But other than that, he's great. Yeah. I don't have it's, any. I don't have any friends of my own. But no, it's not odd. You know, it's because he loves me and because he doesn't want to share right. me. I mean, like it's it's really it is really an abusive relationship with a cult leader. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. I I was just kind of struck by that similarity because as a counselor. I don't deal with any cult members. I've never met a person who was ever in a cult in my in my counseling. But yet. I have yet. But I have dealt with several, both women and men, who have been in, in an abusive relationship where you no, know, they didn't ever get hit. But they lost their personality, they lost yeah. their interests, they gave up what they wanted to do, their goals to just do the person is controlling them entirely. Exactly. I mean Yeah. So it, it's kind of scary to me how that works, yeah. even in personal relationships. So, But the bottom line, I think, is that really, honestly, pretty much anybody could be lured into a cult at some point in their life, especially yeah. if they were going through a hard period of time. Yeah, if they know when mm-hmm. to prey on you. Exactly, and they do. And, they and that's do. what they do. They yep. look for the people who are the most... The, they're predators. I mean, they're, they right. and prey the cu- on the people who are weakest. And the cult leaders treat... A treat. That was that was a combination between train and teach. <laughs> they treat. Treach. <laughs> they treat their members. The the people who go out and what's that called when you recruit. go out and get recruit? That was the word I was looking for. Thank you. Thank you for being You're my welcome. brain. You're welcome. They have taught their recruiters how to look for those people. Yes. You know, and um, yeah, they're very horrifying. effective at it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a very polished method. Yes. How they go out and get get new members in their so, cult. So you're kind of talking about how how they recruit their members, mm-hmm. and that really bleeds into how they how they keep their members. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to go through some of these things, although really all the stuff you said kind of goes with how they keep their members. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing in the recruitment process is the promise of comfort. And answers, like you said, those people who want comfort and answers will find them because that's what the cult is offering. Mm-hmm. So this can be anything from money and success, like multi-level marketing, to more abstract stuff like the meaning of life, uh, good versus evil, politics, religion, all that kind of stuff. Cults offer 
promises and answers that they cannot rightfully offer. Mm -hmm. They're going to offer things that people want, but maybe logically know that they can't actually get. And a lot of the promises, like I said, are unattainable. Uh, They're things that that can't be offered by anyone else because no one can offer those. Mm -hmm. I mean, no one can really offer like total complete health and constant peace of mind and Mm -hmm. complete security. But these are things that cults offer and because people desire them at such a deep fundamental level, some people are willing to say like, it's kind of like a suspension of disbelief thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe logically I know that he can't offer me total peace of mind But he sounds so confident in it that maybe he can. Mm -hmm. And that maybe I can get this thing that I really, really want. Right. Which is just comfort and knowledge and acceptance. And that word comfort just keeps coming up, doesn't it? It just keeps coming up. Can I throw in a real quick Freud? Please do. Because we always... we are Freudian. We always have room for Freud. Hey, join our cult. Freud is our leader. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this particular idea, actually, I would kind of like to punch Sigmund in the nose for, but... (laughs) Okay, he's not our leader. And he's dead. <laughs> he's a he's got a lot of creativity, but I kind of want to punch so him for this. But so is L. Ron Hubbard, I That's guess. That's right. So good old Sigmund, in his 1927 text that was entitled "The Future of an Illusion," he talked about how all religion was merely a oh, mental yeah. trick constructed to comfort believers and to help them overcome insecurity. So even though. He was talking about all religion, which is why I kind of want to punch him in the nose because, I don't know, I'm kind of a spiritual person myself, so don't be dissing my religion. But he really was clued into that idea that that, that we're just longing for comfort yeah. so much that we buy into something to find that comfort. Right. And that's what happens in a cult. We feel, well, maybe I can find it. I can finally find the comfort that I'm missing. Right. And, mm-hmm. and people join cults because of that, because of what a cult can do for them. Mm-hmm. And they can also join because of what a cult does to them, like mm-hmm. the mind control stuff, the isolation stuff. But honestly, that stuff usually comes later. Usually the recruitment process involves what the cult can do for them. And that involves a fair bit of deception and... I would call it good PR. I would call it selling something that you can't really sell, but you sell it pretty well, so people are going to buy it. Yeah. So it's selling the ideology as the good stuff and hiding all the darker stuff that will come later once you're so bought in that you can't leave. One of the ways they do this is called love bombing. Did you see this? Uh Uh-huh. So this is when uh, a cult uses consistent flattery and compliments to draw their members in to make them associate the cult with love and acceptance and comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just a place where you will be loved and accepted. And <laughs> if you think, I mean, you can really, you could stretch that. Because like as a teacher, in my life experience as a teacher, yeah. it's almost like when you have a new classroom with the kids yeah, and like, you're like, love bombing. I've, I've yeah. done that. <laughs> I've, I've done love I've, bombing. Am I a cult leader? <laughs> Where you want your kids to know that they're safe there yeah, and they're yeah. loved and they and you validate well, that's what, them. As counselors, so, that's one of our biggest yeah, jobs. Yeah, we love bomb all the time. Yes, to make sure that our clients come in and feel loved and accepted. Yeah. Oops, are yes. we leaders? <laughs> so I kind of don't want them to just be no, the only ones who can love them. But this is in context of right. this is negative. unhealthy right. For a negative outcome, yes. love bombing. Yes. 
Love bombing um, is good as and, long as it's meant for good. <laughs> I guess. Use your powers for good, not evil. But only once this link has been kind of established do the cults then start to lead the members into the more deviant things that require that total loyalty that they build up in the beginning. And total loyalty also includes breaking down their identity. Right. So that's a big part of it too. Because you have to erase any values, yeah. you know, that they already have yeah. so that you can start over. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So... We've talked a fair bit about how the leaders are so charming, how they're narcissistic. And we often think about narcissistic people being uncharming, but that's not how narcissistic mm. people get their followers. Mm. Yeah, narcissistic no. people are often very charming. Mm. And so they're... Can sell char- ice cubes to an Eskimo, my dad Oh, would say. that's good. That's a good one. <laughs> they're charismatic enough that their narcissism can come off as confidence. And this is a universal, like, <laughs> look or listen to footage of cult leaders mm-hmm. like you're gonna talk about charles manson oh my yes look at footage he looks like a crackpot <laughs> but <laughs> but like think of how many people really bought into that mm-hmm. and like really followed him like he was god right. i mean i mean just you he have to said find that he was jesus yeah you yeah. have to find the right people you have to find the right prey basically mm-hmm. and he did so and he used lots of drugs <laughs> Is that the key? That Just helps. using lots of drugs? <laughs> For him, that worked. So their charisma is what allows them to create this like power imbalance between them and their followers. Mm-hmm. It, it's And that's what it is. It's not equals. It's not join this cult. We'll all be... Okay, they don't call it a cult. Join this group, this mm-hmm. church. We'll all be family. equals. Join this, this family. family. Oh, yeah. He called it a family, didn't it? Yeah. And so like join this. We'll all be equals. We'll love each other. And everyone will be on the same footing. No, it's you are my followers. Mm-hmm. If they don't say that explicitly, that's what it is. And they want it that way. The cult leaders are often authoritarian, especially like in the later stages of the cult. They will be very, they will have a, a very strict hierarchy. They'll be in complete control. They will value, you know, people coming to them and ratting out other cult members because that means that they're the hierarchy. It's very authoritarian. Okay, I'm going to get into some of the mind control stuff. So, like I said, the main thing is isolation. Cults work so hard to isolate their members from the outside world. They say that there's no one else that can offer them the thing that they're promising. The, the things like comfort, the things like security, the things like success. Whatever the cult members are looking for, the cult leaders are saying, I'm the only one that can give that to you. And the outside world's going to reject you. Mm-hmm. And because the cult members have come to trust the leader and associate the cult with love and acceptance, they begin to believe that. They begin to believe that no one else is going to love and accept them Mm -hmm. because their identity has been broken down. And especially important is the isolation from family and friends. Now, the reason this is most important is because family and friends, because they're closest to us, we are most susceptible to them saying, hey, this is not a healthy place for you to be. Mm-hmm. Please step away from this. Come back to us. They can sway us away from the cult. Same thing that happens in an abusive relationship. Exactly. Mm-hmm. People saying, hey, we love you. Please just this person step is not away. treating you well. Yeah. And you're saying, no, no. And they don't want me to talk to you anymore because right. you're and saying this stuff. And the person separates. Exactly. That is one of the main things they use uh-huh. is is separating separating from kind of the voices of reason in your life. Right. right. Isolation from information is also important. 
Uh, a huge red flag is when a group forbids its members from looking at anything critical about the group. And I will again point to Scientology being really bad about this. They go so far as to label people who speak out against Scientology as suppressive persons. And if you speak to a suppressive person or are around them at all, you are labeled a potential trouble source. Ooh. Yeah. So it goes... So like, you're a suppressive person right now. I am being super suppressive and I will go on record <laughs> saying that. I am suppressing the hell out of Scientology right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If, some, if someone were to... Now, okay, so like if, if it was known that this is speaking out against Scientology, the members of Scientology couldn't listen to this podcast. Right. And there are certain members within the group that are tasked with listening to things that are suppressive and like figuring out if they're going to act against it, basically. Right, right. So that is, it, it's, a, it's, what I'm saying basically is it's a red flag if whoever you're with is saying, don't look at other stuff that says bad things about me. Right. Like part of being a functioning human is to look at criticism about the things that we like and the things that we believe and critically thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And so if someone you're involved with is saying, no, you can't do that, that's bad. Right. It's bad. Don't do that. Us versus them is just another isolation tactic the cults really utilize. Uh, members are taught to see the people outside the cult as other, and they become convinced that they are superior to these others, and that any difference means that these people are inferior to the cult members. Um, again, I'm going to point at the alt-right and say that they are being taught that the people outside of their group are inferior, and that the people who are inferior are worth being eliminated. I mean, that's how Nazism started. Mm-hmm. So it's just this kind of us and uh, us versus them is a lot more subtle than that a lot of the time. You know, I think that's just the more extreme. So version. I have to hold up my end of the table and say you could also look at the alt left. What is the alt left? There is no <laughs> alt left. I believe there is. Okay, what's because the alt left? I'm on the right. Sure. <laughs> So although you know I'm not alt-right, oh dear God, you you have to know I'm not. Do you think the but alt-right I, is Nazis? I, no, 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 okay. no, no. Although, no. <laughs> That's, this is a whole other conversation. I just had to throw in that. Okay. That either, either way you go too far on any topic. Sure. You yes. can you can have the dysfunction. Well, it's not only going; it is so. going too far, but it's creating that echo chamber. We we talk about this a lot don't. in our episode twenty five, mm-hmm. where we talk to the necessary bullshit boys. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about kind of isolating ourselves with like social media right. and creating our own echo chamber. No matter what you believe, if, if you, you do that, if you create an echo chamber and isolate yourself from outside ideas, right. you're eventually going to do that to yourself. Right, you spiral inward, basically. So, yeah. But cults do it intentionally. Right. Cults foster that mm-hmm. and encourage that thinking. Because they know that is going to keep them there. Right. But not only do they do us versus them, they create a structure of members who report struggling members. Struggling is a big word in cults because they don't want to say like people who are going against the cults. They say like struggling, like we just want to help them. So mm-hmm. they use that kind of cushiony words. But they say, you know, report anyone who's struggling, your brothers and sisters who are struggling to the leadership. So they then dissuade people from being honest and forming actual relationships with other people in the cult. Because if you're honest and you have any doubts, you will be reported and then you'll right. be humiliated. Right. So it's further isolating them, not only from the outside world, but from each other. Right. So you've got this community of people who are ostensibly one big group 
but they can't even be authentic with the people around them. So they are only fully authentic and only fully trust the leader. Right. In making those decisions and in talking to them. And fear and intimidation is big when it comes to leaders too. We look at the way the cult's set up with the hierarchy that they set up and that cult leadership becomes feared by its members. And that disagreeing with the cult is, and that cult leader especially, is akin to disagreeing with God. Right. I mean, we see exactly. that in the Manson family. We see that in, yeah. and, and reli- like you said, religious cults are, are a big thing. The cult leaders often associate themselves with God, with the higher power mm-hmm. of the group. So disagreeing with that is disagreeing with God. Mm-hmm. And public humiliation, like I said, is big. At some point, once the love bombing has stopped and succeeded, it gives way to cult leaders instead humiliating their members. It gives way to forcing them to admit to other cult members any perceived wrongdoings or by by forcing the members to incriminate themselves, especially to the other people in the cult, because that breaks down the trust between them too. Mm. And then it strengthens the trust between the members and the leader. That's where we get the brainwashing. You know, brainwashing is a term we hear a lot, but brainwashing at its very distilled definition is repetition of lies or distortions of truth that make it hard to distinguish reality from what's going on. That sounds like gaslighting. Gaslighting is a brainwashing technique, I would say. It's almost like the same definition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If if you're not sure what gaslighting is, gaslighting is just like, I mean, it's basically the same definition. It is. It's kind of the same thing. (laughs) It's very similar. Yeah, it's... it's, When someone makes you believe... Makes it hard to distinguish between reality and fan. Yeah, what's truth? You don't know what's truth anymore. Yeah, and that's that's a... I I would say gaslighting is a brainwashing technique. Yeah. Yeah. Paranoia is another big one where it further isolates people. It says that like the outside world is out to get you and only I can protect you and only the cult can protect you. Right. So. A lot of fear. There's a lot of fear in all this. Yeah. And again, that's where that like it's so sad. I mean like it's it's horrifying and, and I think when we think of cults there's a lot of anger that comes with that. Just because of the things that they do that are horrible. When we hear about cults, it's because something horrible has happened. Right, right. Something really scary. So I think there's a lot of anger when we think of, you know, terrorism that cults do or mass suicides or anything like that. But a lot Mm -hmm. of it's just really sad. I mean, when we think of the reasons people get in cults and the way that they're kept in and that that's abuse and that that's trauma... It's hard to maintain that anger when you just feel really sorry for the people that are going through it. Yeah. But again, that kind of makes more faith go into the cult leader. If we think, hey, this is the only person that's going to love, accept, protect, trust me. I mean, this is the only person that's going to give me any positive things. That's kind of where that total trust and loyalty comes from. And so the ultimate thing is to be sure that that, that the leader cares about you. You know, make sure dad's proud of me kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. There's this huge pressure to make sure the leader is happy. Exactly. And doing, and compromise, like you said, compromising your own morals to make sure the leader accepts you because they're the only one that's gonna. And if you lose that, you lose everything. Exactly. So with all that in mind, you know, when people, we get out of cults, Mm -hmm. what does that look like? What? Well, how about if we just touch on this today? Okay. And then on our next. Because we will do a whole episode on that. That a lot of the people that come out of a cult obviously have the symptoms of PTSD. Mm -hmm. And some clinicians even further call it complex PTSD. And there's even a title for people specifically who have been in cults. Really? Called post-cult complex PTSD. Yeah. 
I don't think it's actually like in the DSM, but but people who have done research on it had you know that there are certain symptoms, certain evidence that comes specifically from having been in a cult. Wow. We can address that when we address the specific cults. Yeah, because I think there will be more specific yeah. stories of people who have escaped it. Right, exactly. When you when you hear the stories of the specific cults, you start to, the things that we've talked about today, like come to light. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, that's that thing. That's that thing. Right. So what we're hoping is that you listen to today's episode and you kind of are prepped for the next episode when we talk about specific cults and the techniques they used and right and we'll kind of remind like you mention back mm-hmm. but but yeah i mean this is if you're i think what i want to end on is if you're listening to this and thinking i mean again it may be really hard to think about a group that you may be involved in that's a little close to home Mm-hmm. Maybe it's thinking about a group that a friend is involved in and saying like, wow, they are using some of those techniques. You know, I, I see my friend having that fear and intimidation. My friend is really isolating themselves because they're involved with this person or this group. Mm-hmm. Uh, reach out to them. Um, I think the biggest thing is stopping that isolation from happening and just making sure that they have other resources besides this group that may be getting into their skulls a little bit. I think I, for most of us, you know, we hear the word cult and we think it's out there and it doesn't yeah, have anything to do like with... Yeah, it's like a, ooh, it's yeah, like a has, scary ooh, thing. that ooh. thing, yeah. <laughs> doesn't have anything to do with my life. But I think if nothing else, you know, we always kind of bring back in self-awareness. And so this would be one of those times when we just bring in that self-awareness piece to... We talked about the kind of people who are more vulnerable to cults, but it makes us also look at our own life and say... You know, had there been times or am I the kind of person who maybe I would never be tempted to be in a cult, but maybe be in a negative relationship, a relationship that's unhealthy. And um, to just kind of be aware of how strong we are in our own, mm, our self-worth and our self-awareness that we would not be caught into a relationship that, that strips us of who we really are. Right. Whether it was a personal relationship or a cult relationship, we wouldn't want to be stripped of the our own identity we need to have our own identity the stronger we are in our own identities the easier it is to protect against this kind of thing right and cults are kind of like that thing you think ah it's kind of cool to watch on the history channel but i'm never going to be involved but right but it is a, a pretty interesting topic when it comes to psychology so so the next time we will talk about specific cults yes. and some of the activities that There's went gonna on there. going to be lots of storytelling and lots of crazy things that crazy. we talk about. That's a technical term. Oh my god, Crazy stuff will be There's happening. crazy stuff. It's I, really, I mean, again, I say the ones we hear about the most are the ones that are, I think, the most out there. Right, exactly. And I think other cults, I mean, when I said like there's 3,000 in America, a lot of those are more insidious. They're 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 more subtle, and they're more they're not you know you're living on a commune with your friends. They're right. just ideologies that isolate you, and that right. we don't think of them as cults. So so yeah, I would I would drop one more thing, and that is we have talked often about how people are relational we that's our destiny is to be in relationship with one another so if there's something whether it's a group or a person that separates us from having further relationships that's that's a red flag yeah so we we need to be in relationship with more than one person in (laughs) our life and we need to have to build those relationships to be a healthy person so yes how's that i like it i mean i don't like it but, (laughs) but i like it but speaking of relationships 
I'm so glad, Sipsters, that we have this relationship yes. with you, this ongoing relationship. podcast <laughs> relationship. Thanks for being in our cult. <laughs> We're glad you're part of the Freudian of the Sips, Sips family. No, the Freudian family. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. And we do hope that you'll be sure to listen next time when we do the second part of this podcast. Yes. Because there'll be some kind of, I was going to say cool. I don't know if I want to use that word. Fascinating. Interest, fascinating. There will be some fascinating, fascinating stories shared. Stuff. So please do join us next time. Yes. And in the meantime, thank you for listening to this darker episode than I guess we usually do. When we talk about psychology stuff, it can, it Sometimes can get dark. Sometimes it gets dark. Yeah. It gets dark. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us. Uh, like we mentioned before, you can find us on any social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you want to find us on. We are Freudian Sips Pod on everything. And don't forget you can get a sticker. Yes. Send us a review. Send us an email with a picture of your review. We prefer five stars, but uh, <laughs> well, if you don't want to give us five stars, I guess that's fine. We'll still give you a sticker. We won't give you a sticker if it's a one star. That'll make us cry. We'll send you our tears. I was going to say the sticker will have tears on <laughs> this it. Tear stained sticker. But yeah, send us send us an email with that and your address, and we will send you a sticker. Yep. And you can get a hold of us there at FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com if you want to send us that. We're on Patreon, FreudianSipsPod. We have our site, FreudianSipsPod.com. Everything that's, is that's Freudian the be- Sips Pod. I think that's the easiest way to get the merch. To yeah. go to Freudian Sips. If you go to FreudianSipsPod.com, there and there's a, a link, link on the very first page mm-hmm. that says merch. So if just, you're thinking, how do I get this wonderful merch? How? How? Tell me how. That's how. <laughs> That's how. Just go there, click merch. It'll take you to the store. Yep. Buy a thing. Yeah. Buy 12 things. things. Buy as many things as you want. Yeah. Christmas is coming up. <laughs> Give Freudian Sips merch to all your friends and family. That's Give what Freudian I'm doing Sips this merch year. to all your cult members. <laughs> Our theme music is Sweeter Room with by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. Mm-hmm.